Welcome back to the Sleepwire Great Debate Show. I am your host, Sheehan. Week two is in the book, and I hope you're on the winning side more often than the losing side this week. Also, I hope you didn't run into the Derrick Henry or Cooper Cup buzzsaws, and heaven forbid you run into both of them. We usually try to get the show out before your waivers run, so hopefully you'll get the chance, even if we are a little later than normal this week. But rest assured, we will be back on our regular schedule as of next week. Joining me at the podium tonight from NBC Sports Edge, 4 for 4, and Football Guys is the homebrew hero, the Sam Adams of the fantasy football community, Chris Allen. Thanks for joining me on the show, Chris. Yeah, I appreciate finally getting a chance to sit down and talk with you, Sheehan. I'm happy to do this debate. Uh, I mean, let's go ahead and hop into it, man. Awesome. How'd you go this week? Uh, I did okay. I didn't run into any of the buzzsaws that you just talked about. Uh, I mean, I didn't get Aaron Jones or anything like that. So I'm just glad to be able to survive and move on to another week three. Not too many injuries on my rosters, but I hope the same for you, man. Yeah, I think with these weeks where you see uh, teams losing multiple players or fantasy teams losing multiple players, sometimes it's just about surviving and advancing. Exactly. And I like doing this with our, our guests as well. I like doing this with everyone. I put it up on Twitter on, on a Monday. It gets no traction. But who were you right about this week? Uh, I think the one guy that I was right about was uh, Teddy Bridgewater. I write the streaming column over at 444 each week. Teddy Bridgewater, from a process perspective, had already looked like one of the guys that you would want to stream this week, considering their matchup. I mean, playing against Jacksonville already lined up for, to be a good matchup. He executed and dominated that matchup as well. Wound up as the QB 11 on the week. And he wasn't just like the same old Teddy Bridgewater that we thought to just like dink and dunk his way down the field. I mean, he is like, if I'm remembering correctly, fifth or sixth in deep ball rate, uh, top five, top six in both EPA per play and CPOE. I mean, the, the guy is just looking like he's really capitalizing on his now, what, third opportunity with a on paper, I mean, one of the best personnels like in the, in the entire league going from New Orleans to Carolina, now to Denver. I mean, just multiple good squads for him to work with. And now to see him capitalize on top of that, it's just really great. I'm happy to see him succeed and really do it to a point where we in the fantasy community have to respect the the moves and like the, I guess the, I guess the progress that he's made as a passer. Teddy's an easy guy to uh, to root for. So it's it's great to see him playing well. It's great to see the those guys on that team in Denver as well get someone who can get the ball to them. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Now, the AFC West, I'm sorry, we're, we're deviating slightly. The AFC West yeah. is such a stacked division. Who do you oh, see yes. coming out of that? Um, and to, be, to be quite honest, I mean, I think that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are still up at the top. I mean, it's just so difficult to count them out, even after losing that nail-biter to, uh, to Baltimore on Monday Night Football. But still, I, I, I think that they are the ones that are in control I just because like with the other guys, I mean, the Chargers are good, but we just saw them like essentially like, I mean, I mean we just saw like that. I mean, the close game with the uh, with the Cowboys, which we thought was going to go over their total. Uh, I mean, the Denver for like for all the good things I said about Teddy, we don't really know like how he can how he can do like during the playoffs. And then for the Raiders, as much hype as they're making, can Derek Carr really put a full season together of him being like a quarterback one like in the like throughout the league? I'm not entirely sure. But the only team that I am sure of that we know can go like the full gamut of a regular season and deep into the postseason, it's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So I have to give it to Kansas City as of right now. Yep, one hundred percent. I still think it's a race for second as well, but it's an exciting race for second one. I think people expect it to be the Chiefs, the Chargers, and not a lot else after that. Mm-hmm. But we go from the AFC West to the NFC South and the NFC East tonight. We're talking about two kids making their way in the tough world, being an NFL running back after starting out as wide receivers. In one corner, we have Chris arguing the case for Falcons running back Cordaro Patterson, while I will be telling you while Washington football team pass-catching specialist 
JD McKissick is worth adding in your leagues. The rules for the great debate are simple. We each have two minutes to make the case for our player, followed by a minute of rebuttal. The end of the debates will cover any additional thoughts. And new for this season is the challenge flag. Each of us can throw our challenge flag once during the other person's time. Challenge must be in the form of a question. Can't be in the first 30 seconds of the other person's spiel. Chris, you get to go first because you're our guest. Tell us why we should be spending the remaining fab that we didn't blow on Elijah Mitchell on Old Cordaro. Right. And if you did wind up either missing out on Elijah Mitchell or if you got some left, definitely be putting in that bid for Cordero Patterson because looking at that particular backfield as of right now, I mean, you've got a 27, 28 year old journeyman in Mike Davis sitting ahead of him that while he has garnered both the majority of the running back touches and has a significant portion of the of the targets as well from a running back perspective, we can we saw immediately during week two how uh, Cordell Patterson can immediately, literally, run by him in terms of taking over that backfield. I mean, Cordell Patterson wasn't just used both as a runner and a uh, and a receiver, also used in the Wildcat. We saw them trying to get in, like deep into their bag of tricks uh, during their game when they were trying to come back against the Bucks. I, I can only see Cordell Patterson's snaps and touches continue to rise over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and like in the same vein, Mike Davis, his touches, his snap share did reduce from week one to week two. I can only see Cordero Patterson's opportunity continue to increase because as you can see, the Falcons need as much explosiveness as they can get in that offense right now. And Cordero Patterson provides that for them. Excellent. That's a hell of a case you've made for uh, for Cordero there. But of course you're wrong. <laughs> and, that's how, and that's how the great debate works. <laughs> So famously, when Brett Favre was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2016, the nominee stood up to make the case and said, it's Brett Favre, then sat down again. I feel like I could do the same again and say, well, he's called Errol Patterson. At this point, he's been in the league since 2013. We know who this guy is. We have seen him with all the ability in the world, all the talent in the world, all the athleticism in the world. I think he's the best rugby player never to play a game of rugby. He's had one 100-yard game in his career in week 13 of his rookie season. His longest career run since becoming a running back is 14 yards, had 11 yards on seven carries on Sunday, and 10 of those came on one play. Granted, in the Falcons' best drive of the day, he looked like their best player. We saw him take a screen, we saw him catch a, uh, a nice pass underneath, and then we saw him punch in that 10-yard touchdown. But he, he gets a pass where Tavon Austin didn't. I don't care how many gadget plays they cook up for him. We've seen who he is over eight seasons. Fantasy football is about predictability, and the one predictable thing you know about Cordaro Patterson is that he's unpredictable. I honestly can't like re, uh, re, like uh, push back like too much against that. The only thing that I would say though is that given the fact that we saw how much they needed to really rely on a guy that provided at least a much juice, they need speed on that offense. Now, if you saw like the types of plays that they were the, the types of players that they're currently passing to. Calvin Ridley provides speed. Kyle Pitts provides speed. Cordero Patterson also provides that as well. So at least while we are projecting at this point, because between weeks one and two, his snap share essentially remained, this, remained the same, almost the exact same number of snaps from week one to week two, 33 exactly, if I'm remembering correctly. So while we haven't seen that actual opportunity increase, looking at how the team is projected moving forward, if they're going to continue to be in those negative game strips, if they're continue needing to rely on Matt Ryan for whatever they can throughout the passing game, it's just hard for me to see a different scenario where they don't continue to use a guy that has both that 
uh, that speed out of the backfield and also that utility for to allow them to call multiple plays that will keep some of the defenses guessing versus relying on Matt Ryan when we're already starting to see that decline for him like from a passing perspective. I think he's an excellent piece to keep a defense honest. But again, like so many of these players, like a Tutu Atwell coming out of this year's rookie class, I think he's going to be a fantastic weapon for the coach. Fantastic tool to keep defenses honest. As you say, he's going to stretch the field vertically. He's going to stretch the field horizontally. He's going to make you need to prepare for him. But unpredictable as far as I'm concerned. Right. J.D. McKissick, the other option. Because there are only two options here. (laughs) J.D. McKissick against the Giants, 5 for 83 through the air, 4 for 10 and 1 on the ground. In 2020, Alvin Kamara had 107 targets. J.D. McKissick had 110. Although it's a different quarterback, you don't stop using a reliable piece of a fairly thin offense just because Johnny Fantasy and Susie DFS tell you that they want Antonio Gibson to be a three-down back. Yes, this is fantasy football and our fantasy football fantasy might be Antonio Gibson working as that all-around Christian McCaffrey role. But fantasies don't come true. That's why I'm sitting in a two-room flat in London and I groan when I stand up instead of being on a private beach with bottomless cocktails and Angela White. But McKissick is a far superior pass blocker and Riverboat Ron and Scott Turner clearly love him. Who's he superior to? Antonio Gibson. We saw him get blown past and injure their star quarterback last year. Well, Star's a... uh, a, a (laughs) A nice way of putting it. Nada, who was the guy? Who am I thinking of? Quick, I'm on the clock. Uh, oh, my goodness. Um, now, I, now I can't remember either. We're, this is, we're terrible. Was it, Kyle, this, was it Kyle Allen? Yes. Yeah. Kyle, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember if he was their best one. Anyway, so he blew up Kyle Allen. He let Kyle Allen get blown up in a huge spot. Yes, there was reason to be nervous with Fitz Magic as he's cut from that same Brett Favre mold. He wants to throw it up. He wants to make the play. Taylor Heineke is far more conservative. Football team wants to win with their defense. Checking it down to McKissick or Adam Humphreys is going to help them achieve that rather than going for hero ball. Washington football team's offense is more successful by two and a half yards per passing play when McKissick is on the field compared to Gibson. Against the Giants, they ran 11 personnel with McKissick 34 times, more than any other combination. The average gain was 8.74 yards per passing play. The average with Gibson, the 32 times they ran it, was 3.10 yards per passing play. Four in general. This is a better offense with JD McKissick. Washington knows it. They are going to need to move the ball. JD McKissick helps them do that better than Antonio Gibson. That's why he's going to keep getting stats and a reliable workload. Chris, what say you? I'm not going to say you're wrong, but see, that's that's the thing. I'm terrible at debate because at least I'm trying to contextualize it and listening to your uh, the way that you provided the stats, like for JD McKissick. I can see why that you would be down with like putting him in, uh, putting him out in front. But the only pushback that I'll provide is that one of the things that we do kind of look for when uh, when it comes to like that type of opportunity is that we're trying to project or we we try and assume game flow when it comes to how we're going to like how some of these backs are going to be deployed. And that's kind of been the story with J.D. McKissick. Like if they're going to need it, like in passing scenarios, if they're going to be behind, so on and so forth. And that's really where J.D. McKissick has made his bread. And I completely understand that. But in the same vein, like the types of targets and types of routes that he runs are the same types of targets and routes that guys like or actual like legitimate wide receivers. Uh, let's say maybe like strike the legitimate part out of that. But like <laughs> Adam Humphreys, Cam Sims, who actually Ron Rivera like was reported coming out saying that they wanted to get him more involved as well. 
You could also say that guys like Logan Thomas could also run some of those routes if he's not going to be asked to go down as deep if they're not going to ask Taylor Heineke to throw as deep as they would have with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I would say that J.D. McKissick's role is replaceable, at least from a passing from a passing perspective. Now, you do bring up the good point that he is like the better uh, he's better in pass protection. 100% agree, but we don't get points per pass protection. At least that's not part of fa- like fantasy scoring yet. That might be a thing in like Scott Fishbowl at some point, but I haven't seen it. So <laughs> for J.D. McKissick, I think he's more of a like game script dependent back. And so with uh, with uh, with Cordero Patterson, we could at least see that his usage could be involved, like regardless of what the game script is going to be, because we know that Atlanta is going to need to continue to move the ball down the field against literally everybody, considering that their defense has uh, has given up eight touchdowns like over the last like two weeks. So at least between the two, I would at least say from an opportunity standpoint, I could at least stand a bit firmer on Cordero Patterson from where I'm sitting. But I can understand like why you would want J.D. McKissick. I think that's fairly compelling now. We've reached the end of the debate segment, and we now move on to sort of any other general thoughts about either player. And I'm going to start with uh, a point that you you made at the end there, rather than in rebuttal, but sort of as, as a general jumping off point. You talk about game script and Cordaro Patterson being, I guess, more predictable. Is that because you feel as though we can predict that game script from Atlanta? I, they're going to be playing from behind, whereas Washington likely to be a bit closer. Yeah, because even in the games where we thought that Washington was going to get blown out, I mean, against against the Giants, that was it was closer than we expected it was going to be. Like, heck, even when, like, Washington played against, like, Tampa Bay, like, during the playoffs last season, it was much closer. So we've seen them actually be able to pull out some of these, you know, like, somewhat nail-biters in terms of, like, from a from a scoring perspective. Whereas with Atlanta, I mean, wh- where we expected, like, honestly, I wasn't surprised at the score. Well, I guess I was kind of surprised at the score, like, seeing, like, you know, 40, like, them, like, Tom dropped 48 on them. But... I mean, they've allowed, what, three touchdowns to Jalen Hurts and then now five touchdowns to Tom Brady. I mean, between those two passers, you're essentially running the full gamut of one of the best passers to ever play the game to a second-year passer that we're not even entirely sure if his mechanics are all great. So if Atlanta has given up all these touchdowns to both of those types of quarterbacks, I mean, literally, you could fit any other quarterback within that range of quarterbacks at this point. I mean, you can take any of the rookie quarterbacks and you can probably dump them in the category with Jalen Hurts. You can take any of the mediocre quarterbacks all the way up to Patrick Mahomes and fit them like somewhere between Jalen Hurts and Tom Brady. So at least looking at their entire schedule, their entire schedule moving forward, what they get Daniel Jones this week, who at least from a rushing perspective, Daniel Jones can get it done from a fancy perspective. They're going to wind up facing Washington like the week after that. They get Zach Wilson in week five. So it's just like, there are a number of offenses that we think are fun enough to generate that sort of uh, game script or game scenario where they are going to need a guy like Cordero Patterson. Whereas with J.D. McKissick, it's just he like J.D. McKissick has a good running back in front of him. For all the things that you said about Antonio Gibson, like Antonio Gibson at least has the chops to at least be in the RB1, RB2 conversation. Mike Davis needs the, those blow up games to even get into that sort of uh, that sort of scenario. So that's where it's less. I can see Cordero Patterson having more of that opportunity. Whereas J.D. McKissick, we really have to like squint or change things or construct a narrative for us to see like, oh, yeah, like we need to be able we need to be starting J.D. McKissick this week. What I think works at McKissick's favor out of that, I I totally agree that that's the, um, you know, they're going to be playing from behind Atlanta. That is Washington have the toughest schedule in the league from here on out. So Mm, as good as they are and they want to lean on their defense, they have a couple of nice pieces on offense. We got to remember this is. 30-year-old unemployed, 30-year-old uh, Taylor Heine. He was updating his LinkedIn this time last year. <laughs> and, 
you know, he's now passing the ball. We don't know what that's going to be. We don't know that in four weeks' time they're not going to bring in Cam Newton because the wheels totally fall off, but somehow the NFC East is still wide open. Mm -hmm. I think we can chalk up two big games against Dallas for Antonio Gibson, but if he's struggling to move the ball, they're going to have to need they're going to need to move it some other way, and I think it's going to be via McKissick. I don't necessarily like either the either of these guys for fantasy. I think there is a role for them. McKissick's a nice bye week fill-in. He's not going to totally shit the bed and ruin your week. He's not going to put up a zero. And that's really my fear with Cordaro is they hand him the ball six times. He gets eight yards. They throw him the ball three times. He catches one. He doesn't really get anywhere on a screen. And all of a sudden, you know, for me, I'd rather play a Jalen Rieger, a Henry Ruggs, well, but classing mm. Ruggs in that in that same level as Rieger is probably unfair. But let's say um, Henry Ruggs, Nelson Aguilar, someone like that, or even Jalen Rieger, um, Jalen Guyton, one of these deep threats who can at least blow up and give you one for 60 or two for 75 and a touchdown or something like that on a day. Mm-hmm. I realize Cordero can do that. But it's been some time since we've seen him do that as an offensive play. He's always a threat to take one to the house, whether that's on a screen or in a kickoff return, and obviously that's exciting as well. And he he seems like a guy who just has a lot of love for him in the league. And I don't mm-hmm. think I don't know if that's because he's played in a lot of places and succeeded in a lot of places. I don't know if that's because he gets it done on both sides of special teams as a gunner as well as a, a returner. But as I said, he gets seems to get a pass where Tavon Austin didn't, and yeah. yeah. Uh, he seems to get a pass where I think a guy like Kadarius Tony won't. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're talking essentially two guys who were drafted in similar spots. So I think there's some goodwill around Cordaro Patterson that keeps him relevant. Mm-hmm. But I don't, even if people say, well, he's got dual eligibility, I'm not sure why that's a, a selling point for him. It's not like he's a, it's not like he's a running back who can also be plugged into the tight end. I don't, I don't really see it. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely fair. And to be quite honest, the time to have picked up Cordell Patterson was a week ago. Or he honestly, depending on like what your bench situation was like, like when you made your draft, you should have like he should have been like your last round pick. Because for folks that have been following the Falcons like throughout most of the offseason, they had talked up Cordell Patterson essentially being the backup to Mike Davis. I know some folks were looking at like Kadri Allison. And like any of the other guys that might have like had a cup of coffee with the Falcons throughout the throughout training camp and all that. But if like anybody following like beat reporters or even like hearing some of the coach speak, I mean, it had been Cordell Patterson like from the jump. So now we essentially running into Cordell Patterson is this week's Elijah Mitchell, where he's the hot thing. He's going to cost just a ton of a, a ton of fab dollars. And we we come into this like strategic question of is he the guy that you should be spending essentially the rest of your waiver wire bucks on? And to be honest, he should have been the guy that we were thinking about picking up a week ago. So even if like from a from a strategy perspective, if you don't believe in Cordero Patterson, okay, that's fine. Well, then try and stack up what your next move is going to be. Like, who are you going to pick up for one dollar instead of instead of spending or like that one percent two percent bid versus spending thirty percent of your fab? on Cordero Patterson. Like you should be going out and picking up for guys for like $1 or $2, like a Jake, a Jake Funk, uh, Amir Abdullah, uh, or Kenny Owongu, like any of the guys that might be sitting behind, like on Minnesota's, uh, way, uh, Minnesota's bench because Dalvin Cook is like somewhat injured. And you try and find those guys before we wind up having this conversation in week three and week four of, you know, hey, we could be back here on the show in like two weeks trying to have a debate between, I don't know, insert one guy in Amir Abdullah 
you know, trying to make the case for one of those guys because Dalvin Cook is injured and then Amir, and then Amir Abdullah gets injured like, or uh, Alexander Madison gets injured and we're talking about one of those guys. So if you're not sold on Cordero Patterson because he's, the, like, he's now the hot new thing, try and find that $1 to $2 guy that you could either just essentially pick up for free off the waiver wire now and forego having to get into the, the like to hop on the hype train when you might think differently about either of those guys. That's kind of how I see it. And who... I, you've given us a couple of names there, but who do you think is that? Who who are you targeting with that bargain basement price? Uh, Jake Funk is one of the guys that I'm kind of looking at as of right now because if I'm remembering correctly, in that game, like shortly before uh, Daryl Henderson went down, it was actually Jake Funk that came in, and then it was Sonny Michelle that immediately came in afterwards, like had the majority of the snaps and took over from the uh, from a running back perspective, which we expected to happen anyway. But if Jake Funk, like we know that he at least has some juice in that offense and he can do some of the same things that Sonny Michelle can do, and we already know that offense is gonna gonna be predicated on the running game. If Daryl Henderson misses some time, I think Jake Funk would be one of those guys that you essentially pick up for free. You sit on that bench, you let him sit on your bench for this week, see how the touches shake out, and then you can kind of go from there. Because Sonny Michelle was never a you know workhorse back kind of guy, even when he was in New England. He was always splitting time with somebody, whether it was like James White or whomever. So for right now, I mean, for my money, I would pick, I'd pick up a guy like him that you know is in a productive offense. And then if things wind up working out his way, which is entirely possible because Sonny Michelle with his knee stuff anyway. I mean, it could be Jake Funk later on down the road. I think there's an interesting intersection there between Jake Funk, the Rams, and tonight's topic, and that's Javian Hawkins, who's just mm, been signed yeah. in, in the, uh, for the Rams as well. And I thought um, Patterson's emergence over the offseason was prob- probably the reason Hawkins didn't make the roster because he could have returned kicks. He could have been that pass-catching back. Obviously, they didn't like what they saw out of him. But now with Sean McVay, you never know. As you say, Sony Michelle theoretically can catch passes. Jake mm-hmm. Funk theoretically can catch passes, but you know Hawkins is better at well, ostensibly better than that than both of them, or sure. at least that's what they're hoping. That's why they brought it in. Probably need to get to wrapping this up, and this is probably going to be post waivers now. But who who else are you targeting this week in general? On, so in on general, I mean the waiver wire guys that most folks should be looking at. I mean from a wide receiver perspective, I mean if you're not already in on Quintus Cephas like after last night, then I mean I know like Detroit Lions gross. I mean whatever, but you have to at least look at objectively look at the opportunity within that offense now with Tyrell Williams out with a concussion and really leaning on two guys, well maybe three guys if you want to throw Jamal Williams in there along with DeAndre Swift and T.J. Hawkinson. So he's one of the guys that I'm currently targeting. Uh, if you want to look at uh, pretty much any of the other like ancillary, like KJ Osborne now for Minnesota Vikings. Now I know that his snap share actually dropped like this, uh, this past week, but I mean uh, the Vikings now they're running three wide receiver sets at a much higher rate than they did last season. We'll see like what winds up shaking out between any of the tight ends. But if KJ Osborne is going to be at least beginning, you know, five, six targets a game. Heck, I mean, I, I, if I have a, a deep enough bench, he's one of the guys that I'm targeting as well. Yep. And uh, not well. I didn't get to do my victory lap, but I was in on both of those before the start of the season. As uh, very nice potential yeah. pass catches, so it's it's good to see them blow up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've dropped Fab on uh, KJ Osborne in a league where I didn't have him, and Demetric Felton as well. I think with good the call. injuries yeah. in Cleveland, DPJ Donovan Peoples Jones is obviously the I think was named the starter on their depth chart this week or today with OBJ, um, but. I thought Dimitri Felton is probably going to offer similar to what we see from Cordero Patterson here. He's a bit more of a slot guy. I always thought he'd probably transition back to being a slot receiver mm-hmm. uh, once he got to the NFL. 
And Jarvis Landry, we know that he's a, a volume-dependent player, uh, and they're going to need someone to catch those passes. They were clearly unimpressed with Rashad Higgins. They really only brought him back because they felt like they had to. Yeah. Uh, so I w- I'm happy to pay up a little bit more to get Demetric Felton, particularly in Dynasty Leagues. Now, I suppose we're coming to the end of the show here, Chris, so thank you for joining me. Uh, tell the good people at home where they can find you. Uh, you can find me, let's see, a few places. Uh, 4 for 4 column came out today for quarterback streaming. Go ahead and check that out and find out why you should be starting Daniel Jones like this week if you happen to be in a rut and from a quarterback perspective. I know it sounds gross, but at least just read the column and then come yell at me later. Uh, football guys, <laughs> I'll have a column out tomorrow. Uh, three things that I've learned and uh, looking at a few players uh, from the at quarterback, looking at Kirk Cousins and like his like terrific start to the season, like what things have changed there. Uh, DK Metcalf is another guy that I'll be looking at, like from a three lessons perspective and trying to see, right. Is it really just Tyler Lockett season or like what, where does DK Metcalf sit in that Seattle uh, Seahawks offense? And then it's kind of poignant, uh, but I was actually uh, looking at like Mike Davis and his usage and trying to see like, should we have been targeting Mike Davis in drafts or has it really been, you know, a, a guy he should, we should have been avoiding that whole like dead zone discussion that we had like during the, throughout the off season for running backs. Uh, so Catch that article that I'll be dropping on Football Guys tomorrow, and then I'll be out with my Thursday night uh, preview Thursday morning for NBC Sports Edge. Awesome. Well, there's plenty of content to get you through the week there. And if that's not enough to keep you interested, dear listener, you can, of course, join us at Sleeper Wire Show on Twitter. Stay up to date with our waiver articles. We have ABCs coming out at some point this week. We have DFS advice. We have best bets from the best betting man in the game, Justin Dodds, the most accurate expert on betting pros last year is going to make you some money very nearly made me money and of course the opportunity report my baby is back again for another season that will be out tomorrow so while you're there chuck us a few dollars on patreon if you're so inclined we are in the midst of rolling out new rewards and new tiers so get in now or wait a week and see what's available we have some new exciting stuff coming so stay tuned for that and of course you can follow me on twitter at she and solo and i will catch you next time